Hey, it's Pretty Little Grown Men. I'm David Greenwald. I'm Dom Sinicola. Hello, everybody. Uh, we're talking about the third episode of season six of Pretty Little Liars tonight. Is a it? bit of a mellower episode than the last couple. Yeah, what's it called? Songs of... Experience. Experience. Yeah. So it's sort of a two-part... This was sort of a two-part episode. Um... The same writer, same director for episode two and this one, and episode two was Songs of Innocence. A much more psychological, uh, quiet episode, and this one's a little bit more plot-heavy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it seemed pretty good. I I appreciate it. You know, one thing we didn't talk about last week that felt like a big oversight on, on our parts, really, Uh-oh. was... Uh, you know, because we both liked it so much, I think that we overlooked how there was no mention of Mona or Mike reacting to Mona, which felt right. like a huge missed opportunity for some like real, real solid emoting. Right, and this episode too. I mean, that it's one of those things where is the show deliberately withholding to give us that big moment later? Um, or is it trying to tell us something about what Mike knew about Mona by not making a big deal of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this time they, they mentioned Mona, uh, Hannah says that Mona's mom took her out of town. Um, which, you know, makes sense. Get Mona out of Rosewood for a while, but poor Mike, like where's, where's right. Mike? Right. Yeah. I mean, that feels more like sloppy storytelling than <laughs> that like intentional deliberate yeah yeah but i guess we'll see mm-hmm. um i mean if it's episode six and we still haven't seen interaction you know then maybe we can be a little bit more mm-hmm. uh critical of that particular thread so uh the liars are spent a lot of this episode trying to sort of get back to normalcy uh hannah pushing really hard for them to go back to school right and then to go get some therapy to get some therapy, which they finally, uh, <laughs> so they go to therapy, and while they're at therapy, they get a, a video text from A. Of course. Of course, telling them that they need to not tell, um, I can't remember the therapist's name now. Dr. Therapist. Stop, yeah, Dr. Brain. Uh, that they need to leave her office or A, who is standing over a sleeping Sarah Harvey, is going to stab her. Right. And so this is interesting to me because we don't really know if we trust Sarah yet. She is like a complete... The thing is, because of her story, because she was, you know, there for two years, and she can really... She is traumatized. She can say whatever she wants mm-hmm. and be believed. Oh, yeah. And so she could be completely lying about her family and her home life. Uh, or it could be super legit and she could be this traumatized teenager who spent two years in a hole. Yeah, you know, the, the when Sarah's talking about her mom, which it's so weird how uh, Nia Peoples can, continues to just be like, okay, I'm never going to call your mom. Like, you can stay at our house and you tell me I'm not supposed to call your mom? Okay, I just won't. Yeah, I'm just going to take your word for it because, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's it's interesting that there was there was actually a therapist in this episode and someone trying to do anything professional with these like severely traumatized girls who like were kidnapped for two weeks from jail, you know, like it's, it's funny how much the show kind of wants to go there, but then not really like with, especially with Sarah who should be like in intensive daily counseling probably. I mean, I, I don't know, but I would assume that's, you need pretty serious, care after that kind of thing oh my god yeah but that's just not happening and so it's kind of like it's just one of those things where it's not part of the plot i think for story convenience the same way like going to class is not really part of the plot for story convenience but it also sort of feeds (laughs) into this um picture of this world that the liars live in which is like a little bit different than the real world that we live in where you would actually have to go deal with some of these things oh god yeah it's uh and plus you know like if you if you do start going down that path where um you start to really get into uh how how much psychological repairing these girls need if you go down that path then you 
you're going to have to cut out so much plot because you're going to have to have a lot of character development, a lot of slow uh, therapy sessions, and I just don't think that the the series is really that interested in it at all. Well, I mean, I think they're doing a good job in these last couple episodes of giving us a lot of emotion and a lot of uh, these characters, you know, grappling with their lives and their trauma in a pretty serious way. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm happy with the way that they're, they've been dealing with it. Um, you know, it's, it's just interesting to think about well, what would actually happen, what would realistically happen in this situation. Okay, obviously it's not convenient. You know, for that to happen. Right. Realistically, the girls would not graduate. They'd have to at least, at the very least, take summer classes or something. Well, that was dealt with, um, because someone tells them it was Andrew. Andrew, yeah, says, "Oh, you're definitely they're definitely getting you the hell out of here." Yeah, which is, which is funny. Which is it is funny. You know, but that, of course, that would never realistically happen. It wouldn't be like all of the the school board members got together and were like, "Yeah, let's get these." these girls out of town. But that, to me, sort of ties into his whole thing before we thought he... before we think he's innocent of, like, being jealous of Mona, of hating these girls, of seeing them as, like, academic slash whatever feminist rivals. Right. You know? So for him to come out and say, oh, the school's gonna give you special treatment after he says, I was trying to save you, it doesn't reconcile. To and me. why would and the girls read his diaries? They know what he wrote. So why would they believe that he was trying to help them when he basically was just like bad mouthing them in his diaries? Right. So I think that character is still like definitely a villain, definitely a hot mess. And like before they were even before they even disappeared, he's sitting there on Bluetooth over like overhearing people's conversations. Yeah. So yeah. he's for sure in on something. He's mm -hmm. for sure in on the A game, and right. he just like took a fall. Yeah, I, um, going back to something that I noticed earlier, uh, with Sarah Harvey and her mom who doesn't kind of exist, uh, I found there was a parallel that I, that I saw that was drawn between, um, Sarah Harvey talking about her mom and the way that Mrs. De Laurentiis was acting before she died, which is, Sarah was saying, my mom is like as soon as it was clear that I was gone, my mom got rid of everything. Whereas, whereas the opposite happened with Mrs. De Laurentiis and Allison. Uh huh. And and Mrs. De Laurentiis basically like set up a shrine in Allison's old room. Right. Which, you know, is I don't really know what the point would be behind that parallel, but but unless and here's like the here's this big. Uh, theory that that I think we sort of have going, which is that Sarah Harvey is Charles. Uh-huh. And so, therefore, Mrs. De Laurentiis treated Allison one way and basically, like, got rid of Charles at a young age uh -huh. because of who knows what. Maybe he was showing signs of psychopathy. I don't know. Like, what was, like, you know, why would you get rid of a kid at, whatever, three years old? Yeah. You know? I don't know. I think, I, I think this is a pretty wild and crazy theory. Um, I, I like it. I, I like that you like <laughs> it. Uh, I, I disagree. I don't see, I don't see evidence for it. Um, that being said, the show now has given us all these sort of blonde, female characters who are in the mold of Allison. Mm -hmm. We have Bethany Young, who's dead, presumably. And then we have Sarah, who was presented as sort of this other, like, parallel universe version of Allison, right? right. Who's supposed to be like this other kind of villainous, dominating um, Queen Bee character. So I don't know why the show keeps rolling out these versions of Allison and why, if Charles was her brother and was is is and ends up being the main villain here why is he so obsessed with his sister versus jason or his mom and his dad yeah. like why why is allison and if allison is the reason why he left or something wouldn't she remember you know wouldn't she have some insight into this so so the show really has a lot of dots to connect to me to kind of justify like why everything has been so Allison-centric. And it still doesn't really explain 
what she was out doing for two years when she was just bouncing around trying to figure out who A was. No. Although, you know, it could make sense that um, at a young age, Charles, uh, of course, assuming that Charles and Jason are brothers, that Charles did something that made the De Laurentiis parents think that he would harm Allison. Right. Yeah, I mean, that seems like a reasonable thing. But then how does how does Bethany Young, you know, there's so much that hasn't been discussed yet, particularly with, particularly with the um, the asylum and Mrs. De Laurentiis' involvement there and Bethany Young's involvement there, not to mention the whole Toby's mom storyline, which got thrown out, and Jenna, and, you know, all this stuff, which, you Just know... Just totally at, at the, Yeah, I don't think the show is going to go back to any of these things. Like, Ren, we're never going to see Ren on the show again. How potentially. can you... You know, the, and... Okay, you know, Toby's mom, that's a pretty huge thing that they haven't even once talked about yet. Uh, again, or uh, who is the orderly at Radley that just disappeared? Right, right. Um, but the whole Bethany Young thing, that is such a huge plot point that right. they've just totally forgotten about. Right. I mean, it was, you know, like even the cops have apparently totally forgotten about a body that was in this grave. Right. Well, the weird thing to me was the, the, the A text interrupting the therapy session and A's like, don't tell anybody about me or something or someone will die. But the police are releasing Andrew. It's clear that someone is still at large and that someone is A. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, it doesn't even matter. Whoever put the girls there. Right. That, that person is still like out doing crimes yeah. and everyone knows. So it's sort of this weird, it feels like this weird desperate move. And it also feels like potentially Sarah was in on it and is working with mm-hmm. Charles. But you know, I, there's, there's so much that the show is going to unveil, I think in the next few episodes. So I don't want to like go too far into theorizing. Cause I think a lot of these, anything we come up with is going to get knocked down pretty quickly at this point. But I would that's, like that's to see them. That's very pragmatic of you. Well, I, I, but I would like to see them deal with, you know, especially Radley and Bethany Young and all these things that they had sort of brought up in the past as major issues. Um, you know, I think the show is just not going to go back to those things, probably. Yeah. What What's going to happen? I think then next, at least in the next episode, is um, the liars are going to be convinced that Charles is uh, Jason's brother, uh-huh. and then they'll just be like, Charles is a and. A is Jason's brother. Right. Uh, and then, because we know as audience members that it never works out that way, and whenever the liars are sure about something, that's never true. Right. That that's too easy of a solution for what's happening. You know? I agree. I mean, I think Mona remains the most interesting character on the show, and the fact that she hasn't been on it the last couple episodes suggests that she's going to come back in a big way, potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they don't want to, because if she's if she's in the mix, she presumably would be moving a bit faster on these things than the liars, who are kind of dumb yeah. compared to Mona. Mm-hmm. So I look forward to her triumphant return, uh, if if that ends up being the case. Spencer's Spencer's back to popping pills. Yeah, Spencer's having some trouble dealing with everything, which I understand. Yeah, I don't blame her. You know, the girl's got to cope somehow. Hannah's trying to ignore things. What did you think about Arya finding the picture of Charles slash Charlie uh, in the mason jar full of buttons? You mean, <clears throat> what did I think about the like, was the it fact too, that Arya is for once useful? What like was it too easy? Does it does it suggest that Arya is a <laughs> because she planted it and so she knew where to go look for it? I mean, maybe if she's a, then she's fooling herself pretty handily by you know sort of just pretending to act surprised when she (laughs) figures that stuff out um it is a weird space a weird place to put a picture you know to hide something to i mean to hide something in such a just an odd place uh and then to only hide one thing that's a piece of evidence when there's obviously a lot more to hide right it's just such a unless it's unless it's Mrs. Mrs. De Laurentiis's like own personal copy that she hid for herself because she still feels guilty about everything that happened. Yeah, that's what I think it is, and I think it's like, 
you, I think she does so much to preserve Allison's room because of what happened to Charles, mm. potentially. And it's her making up for not keeping any memories of this lost child. Yeah. So then, I, I know this is going to be in, involve some gross speculation, but I think that it's it's worth it to try and tie up these these loose ends. Is you have Mrs. De Laurentiis, who had some very strong connection to Bethany Young at Radley, right. was visiting her a right. lot. So, and you'd almost imagine that she's visiting her a lot, uh, maybe out of guilt or something. So what is so who is Bethany? And how does she connect to Charles? How does she connect to Charles and the De Laurentiis family? And you have, and we have to, we have to just accept the fact that Bethany is dead. Yes. That Bethany isn't Sarah Harvey or whatever. Right. Because then, whose Probably. body would that be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, somebody's body. No, that's fair. Unless that's Sarah Harvey's body in the ground. Yeah. And then Sarah Harvey is Bethany Young. Yeah. And Bethany Young is Charles. What about <laughs> Mona's weird friend who threw the liars under the bus? Does she have any anything to do with anything, or is she never going to be heard from again? Um, I, I, I mean, you know, it's like, it's like this thing where it's like you, you always want to, you know, the thing you always want to, we always want to put meaning behind everything, Mm -hmm. but I think that at some point we have to just let go of things as just sort of either functional or bad storytelling. Sure. You know, and I think that Mona's friend, Mona's friend moved the plot along to get them to the place where they were essentially going to go to jail. Right. You know? Right. So I think that that was her function, is to get them. And so then you could say that Mona's friend was working for Charles, that Charles orchestrated that. So yeah. That they, then Charles could kidnap them. True. True, perhaps. And we didn't, the liars didn't get to ask Mona about the friend in, the, in prison. So no. There's no. So we don't actually know kind of what the... There was there was a lot of there were a lot of conversations that needed to happen in while they were in the dollhouse, which just did not. But you know, of course, we're thinking that because we're, we want them to like everyone needs to share all the information mm. so you can know what's going on, um, which is always the frustration with these types of shows. Um, but yep. yeah, yeah. So we discovered that the girls and I and for some reason I thought that maybe the girls had said this to each other, but they like finally admitted to each other that they had were part of that experiment, which I don't remember what the, the name of the experiment is. Well, they're all basically being told you can shock one of your friends or you're going to get shocked. Yeah. It's like, it's like this famous experiment that was conducted with people where the, the psychologist took them into a room, just some person took them into a room and said that basically it was, we're told that, you know, no matter what you hear or what you think is happening, keep pressing the button. Uh-huh. And so they would press the button, and then they'd hear, like, screams in the next room, or someone said, like, oh, oh, this hurts so much. And and then the doctor would say, continue. Right. And they would have to keep doing this, even though they were being told, or they were basically thinking that they were hurting someone very right. badly. Right. And so it was sort of this idea about authority and... How whether or not people are willing to follow the rules, even if it's even if uh, their morals are put into question. Right. And so that's basically what Charles was doing to the girls, testing their friendships. Um, you know, and I think it's clever how at the end, after you know, after Andrew has his little hissy fit and marches away, and and Arya's feeling all guilty and shit, and then um, how you know Spencer's basically just like. Charles is getting what he wants. He wanted to isolate us, and this is now it's happening. And I think it's kind of a cool thing to think that, like you know, in the the world of the show, all these traumatic things can happen to these girls, and yet in town they're still sort of considered outcasts or considered trouble. You know, right? That you know that they they're still not seen as being. Um, I guess, justified as, as good people. Well, and that's that's something that we haven't really seen yet, too, because they haven't really done the full-scale going-back-to-school moment yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be, you know, how will they be received? And how is Allison being received at school right now, too? Because she had all this drama going down with Mona and, like, armies of people, you know, 
parents setting off against each other, mm-hmm. which no longer seems to be the case. And now she's going to church and seems to have chilled out, <laughs> trying to make a... She's trying to come up with a clean slate. Dating a respectable older gentleman. Right. So she's making it... She's making an effort. It's just... There was a lot of buildup with that kind of stuff in season five, uh, especially in 5A, which seemed like it just sort of got... Seemed like it was maybe not the most interesting plot development, and mm-hmm. it kind of just got swept under the rug, which yeah. is fine by me. Right. I don't really need to have like high school nerd armies anymore at, at season six of this show. Right. What happened to all of Allison's minions? Or Mona's minions. Or Mona's minions. Yeah. They're so there's kind of there's a, there's a lot that's sort of been cast into the fog, and you know I, that's fine as long as we get a real as long as the conclusions that are reached are satisfying. Um, Charles seems like it's a Deus Machina, but it could also potentially be a really great plot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, something we've talked about all along is like. Who's going to be A? Is it going to be someone we know or some new character? And if it's a new character, how does that become meaningful? Right. You know? And, well, the way to do it is by making it this, like, lost, damaged De Laurentiis child. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, like, a perfect, potentially uh, a perfect uh, solution. Because be otherwise, yeah, because otherwise then it's almost just, like, you know, why watch most of the show if you're going to come into it and have a character that isn't like deeply connected to the character arcs of all of these other main characters for five seasons. Right. You know, that's, that's satisfactory is to make it so that all this time we've spent makes sense, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, also, I mean, I just want to, I just want to see Allison teaching kids how to play soccer. <laughs> yeah, that's, do you think we're gonna? Do you think this is like Chekhov's soccer ball, where we're, <laughs> where we're gonna see her actually coaching soccer in like two episodes? I hope so. It seems unlikely. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna wager that we will not see her teaching a soccer class. Oh man, back. I mean, we got what we wanted with Toby in his uniform back when he went through police school in like two weeks or whatever. It's true. It's true. He just zipped right through. She's next episode. Allison is gonna be coaching a championship soccer team. Yes. Well, those are my those are all my observations about this episode of PLL. It's a pretty straightforward, clear episode. Yeah, it was. Uh, it felt like another, you know, another stopgap. Nothing, just moving the plot along. I mean, they can't all be like epic. No, you know, epic reveals. I think we're going to see. Supposedly, the the time jump is going to happen at the end of this half season. Okay. So. I think we should we should have a pretty you know fireworks packed season six a. It'll probably stay slow for the next few episodes and then something just zip you know yeah ramp up into the mid season finale. Yeah, I mean last year Mona died. Yeah, or died. Right, right. Quotations. Um, Maybe someone else will come back to life. Yeah, I I I am. You know, talking about all these characters that we don't see anymore. It feels like, it almost feels like the show could be better with that, because one thing that could be really cool that the show could do is create a real community in Rosewood, and I feel like it was doing that for a while, and it's just not anymore. It's mm-hmm. not It's not as ensemble-heavy as it could be, and I would really love to see that, you know, like, within this, the universe of Pretty Little Liars, if they, like, really had a fleshed-out town, a town, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's a dis- it's disappointing to have to just willfully let go of all of these characters that they've brought in, um, because I really because I really liked that it was almost like wor- working its way towards this really like cool, well thought out world, and now they're just like dropping stuff left and right, um, assume assumingly dropping stuff because we don't know what's going to happen, but right, you know, the thing that I. Um, no con where'd he go no yeah no that's true it's true and he was working for allison yeah um another minion but i i guess the thing that like bothers me a tiny bit at this point in the show is that you know okay the liars have burner phones but they haven't figured out a way to somehow like snapchat a message to the psychologist to be like okay listen we're in another a situation and we're being blackmailed and you need to like somehow quietly communicate to that that to the cops, IDK. Yeah. You know, I mean it's like 
all their parents know, everyone everyone knows, it's like everyone knows that this person is out there, so can't they just like come home, find Sarah, call their moms and be like, okay, this crazy thing happened, yeah. we're letting you know, but, and they'll be believed, you know? It's not like there would be any reason to doubt them at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, except they're still, I guess they're still like fixated on this idea that A can get to them mm-hmm. in any way. Well, and that's, yeah. a, you know, they stole, did steal them out of prison. So it is a fair assessment. But you would think that they would just cluster together a little bit more now that they sort of know for sure, or as for sure as it's been on the show, who A is. Right. And also now that it's been proven that, you know, that the Rosewood Police Department isn't totally corrupt inside and out. They're just for now. mostly inept. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> exactly. Officer Toby and Officer Lorenzo on the case. Yeah. They're doing okay. They're doing okay Buddy cops. Just chilling. Um, Yeah, I don't have any more stray observations. It was was a fine episode. Um, Well played, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do we want to give the fans what they want? (laughs) Game of Thrones. Discuss. I want to talk about it for... I want to talk about it for about two minutes. Okay. Um, I mean, we can go deeper, but... Dun, 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 dun. Um, I thought this episode was a real bummer. I mean... But, like, bummer on, like, a, a sad... It was not fun to watch. It was so many bad things happen. And I, this is a show where bad things happen, but it was just, like, <laughs> there's a literal walk of shame for for Cersei. Too literal. I mean like yeah, it's like, like kind of ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And it just made me think like does this come from some historical precedent or is this like because George R R Martin like didn't have a girlfriend in college? So I read that he based it on some sort of happening in like the 15th century. Okay. Uh to some martyr woman, which again that doesn't fucking matter. Like, I don't understand right. why we have to uh, set up Game of Thrones next to medieval world history and say that they're, like, that they have to be the same thing. Right. I mean, you know, when Isaac Asimov wrote the Foundation series, it's all loose. The Galactic Empire is loosely based on the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. And yet, it's in space. Right. And so he doesn't really go, like, sort of, you know... Tradition for tradition in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, he uses it as like a loose inspiration. And it is frustrating to me that the show, and I guess, you know, a lot of things that happened in this episode happened in the books, I guess, which I have not read. Um, you're more you're more caught up than I am yeah. in terms of that. But, yeah, I mean, there's just no reason to put some of this stuff in. Like, well, it happened in real life, so it can happen in this fantasy TV show that I'm completely inventing in my head on a typewriter you know it's just it's it's silly it's silly to try to like couch it in such intense realism but you know i we don't we don't need to like make this argument again well but it's and i guess yeah and it's it's sort of i mean there's there's two levels to how and i've had you know we've had the past week basically to think about this but um when i first saw it i was like oh wow that was a pretty intense episode and then the more I thought about it, I was like, that was just fucking ridiculous on so many levels. The, not just how the, the walk of shame was, uh, you know, really kind of long in a very... It's pur- extremely long. And it's purposeful. It's, like, it wants to make you uncomfortable. I understand that. Right. But, but it's just like, by the time that she's getting, like, shit thrown at her and there's, like, dude, like some weird, crazy dudes, like flashing her and like some drunk lady yeah we finally being drunk we we finally get to see a dick on the show (laughs) and like the most useless possible dick (laughs) it's like not one that we want to see um and then i know right we should we should yeah i don't know what dicks we want to see but not that guy's dick no not that guy and literally any other any other (laughs) dick on the show would be more interesting i don't know it's just like but like the drunk woman who's just like, I'm a drunk lady. I'm going to say drunk things and just keep drinking while I'm screaming. Right. Well, and then, you know, killing off the whole, we find out that basically Stannis' whole, Stannis' whole thing is garbage mm-hmm. and he just gets destroyed and it's all a big waste of time, you know, and Brienne of Tarth 
uh, gets some vindication by potentially killing him. Uh, happens off screen. I mean, that's another super dumb double standard where it's like this guy murders his own daughter and we don't get to see him get his head cut off. Yeah. You know, like something that would actually be like if you are watching, if you were getting any enjoyment from the violence on the show, mm-hmm. it would be a moment that would be cathartic. And yet, instead of showing us that, let's see Jon Snow, a character we like, get stabbed four times. Oh, yeah. You know? So it's... <laughs> spoiler. Spoiler. We should have said major spoiler. Well, okay. Alert. I mean, you know, of course, of course. I mean, yeah, you're not listening to this if you haven't seen it. You've seen the show. You know what's going on. Yeah, Jon Snow dies. <laughs> For now. Who knows? Yeah, there's I don't a think lot he, of, There's a lot of theories about him yeah. getting revived. I mean, it's so easy to think about how he could get revived. Either Melisandre is going to revive him or he's going to warg. He's going to go... I bet you... I would. This is more believable than Melisandre because I like the idea that Melisandre is like comes back to the camp like knowing that she's full of shit. Right. I like that idea a lot. But then you have Jon Snow, like maybe he like wargs into Ghost, uh-huh. and then he has to live in Ghost until his body heals. Ah, that'd be cool. That would be cool. I would watch that season of Game of Thrones. It's just like, it was just a lot of really unpleasant things happened. And I guess, you know, the, the precedent, I think George R. R. Martin brought this up in like his latest blog post because he has to like live blog to the reaction of people watching this TV show, yeah. which is so weird. <laughs> but anyway, he brought up Shakespeare and at the, a lot of Shakespeare plays, yeah, everyone dies. Mm-hmm. But I mean, guess what? Like that's because Shakespeare plays, you go and you sit and you watch them and then they're over. Yeah. They don't go on for like five six seven seasons of tv show mm-hmm. and thousands and thousands of pages of book mm-hmm. you know so you don't really have the same kind of connection with the characters at the end of watching hamlet <laughs> that you do at this point in the show it's oh, like yeah. you can't, it's not really i don't think it's really fair for him to say well this happened this happens in classic literature it's like no that was like a particular form, the dramatic form where it's all terrible and and bad things happen you were not writing Drama plays. Well, it's just not the it's just not the same thing. Also, why you just have to ask yourself too at this point, why why would you kill off every single character? What is the fucking point of that? Like, if you have all of these, if you have these characters that people love and start becoming attached to and want to see uh, do good things and want to see like a long character arc uh, and want to see learn things, why would you just kill them off? The only thing that it serves is this sort of, like, uh, very brief, fleeting, anecdotal shock value. Right. I mean, it becomes a question of, like, what's the story? What's the theme? And it's the same thing with Pretty Little Liars, where it's just bouncing around from villain to villain to villain and so on, where and dropping characters and bringing in new ones and coming up with this, you know, new characters whenever another one's not convenient... It's like, what's the story? What are you trying to say here? Yeah. And at least in Pretty Little Liars, we have these four main characters, plus Mona, plus Allison, who have all sort of been through these dramatic changes, and they've grown and evolved, and like we can really lock in on them and have like something to connect with. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Game of Thrones, so many characters have been killed off, and so many characters have just been like transfigured and turned into these evil figures, and like in this one, we see we see Theon do something good finally. Mm-hmm. But like we discussed last time, like I don't want to see him do something good. He's he's been such a horrible character, and we've seen him tortured so much. And it's just like, what's the point in showing that he can be redeemed? You it know? felt you know I don't remember any other time on the show uh, when there were so many really sort of cheap cliffhangers mm-hmm. where you know like it seemed with every character was the case. Right. Uh, so with uh, Sansa and Theon, it was like, first of all, they basically throw this woman down, I don't know, like off a three-story building, maybe not even, and she like basically cracks her head and dies. Yeah. And then they jump off of like, I don't know, like a 10-story building into in, a snowdrift, apparently. Into, or yeah, like what, you don't even, I was like, are they jumping into a moat? That seems unlikely. It's cold. Yeah. Like, that does uh, it that's kind of a, that was kind of a ridiculous yeah but it's sort of like Theon and Sansa are jumping are they going to be okay uh you know Brienne finally might get her revenge on Stannis is he still alive right. uh Arya gets blinded is what's going to happen with Arya right. uh Jon Snow got stamped is he going to die 
It's just like all of these things that where you're just like, come on, Game of Thrones. Right, and and uh, Daenerys too. Oh like, yeah, surrounded by um, the Dothraki. The, yeah, and it's like, are they going to approach her as queen, or are they going to chop her head off and call the show? You know, or you know, just have the show be about a. Uh, Tyrion ruling in wherever for the rest of the That was probably probably the only like somewhat satisfying idea is that now Tyrion is like ruling a city. Right. Which was kind of a cool idea. But um but yeah, the whole Dothraki thing, like I just my first thought was like, fuck, like I don't care anymore about this stupid these like horse people. I just don't like I don't want to see more of this shit. Like, do we need Daenerys to be humbled once again? Like, I just don't fucking care. Well, right. I mean, is the is the show trying to say show her show us like, okay, look, she tried to rule this city and she tried to come into this foreign she got a taste of how hard real rulership is. Yeah. And now she's kind of literally pulled out of it by a dragon to be like, all right, you kinda kinda screwed up, you know. Uh, maybe you should go back to basics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and presumably the Dothraki will be like, yes, we're going to follow you and your dragon. And that's a totally chill thing. Yeah. But what does she take away? Did she actually learn any lessons? Because she did make good political decisions. It seemed like she was actually making reasonable choices. And yet she still faces this uprising. Right. Yeah. So is the message that she just needs to like bail and go conquer another kingdom? I, I mean I'm I'm guessing that what's gonna happen is like basically now she has like her army renewed. Right. You know. Um then she'll go back to Marine. Uh I mean I kinda hope so because it's just like getting to the point now where it's like I don't I just want I wanna see things progress. I don't like all this dawdling anymore. Um Well but what's the I mean so many characters have died that the end game can't be that i mean there there sort of is no end game now because you've seen almost everyone get killed and who could still end up being somebody we know from the show like even if the conclusion is like oh daenerys gets to be queen and that's great you Mm -hmm. know based on the previous history of the show did the credits roll and we're just like okay so she lives happily ever after and like starts a new dynasty or like does she get killed in an uprising in in like two years from now yeah you know it's like the show has not set us up for like a happy ending at all Mm -hmm. right it almost would it almost seems like the show would not want a happy ending it's just not in its blood um yeah and then like to go back to what we were talking about where i just felt like the the it just felt like the episode was uh pushing the plot forward in very stupid ways even with aria where in the books aria uh is blinded um, as part of becoming, uh, sort of a, I guess, a becoming no one. Yeah. Becoming no one. Like she's blinded, not because she did anything wrong, but uh-huh. because that's part of the process. Oh, I see. So to have her being blinded because she killed someone that she wasn't supposed to, um, it just felt so like, it just it was predictable. Like you knew she was going to kill the guy. And like we said last time, you don't need to see the guy hitting young girls with a switch to right. know that he's a shithead. Right. Like, right. you don't need to why, see that shit. Why do we see that and not see Stannis get his head cut off? Right. You know, if we're going to be bloodthirsty, you know. It's just like, at some at some point, the show has to remember that it is a television show trying to provide entertainment. And when it shows you thing after thing that's unpleasant to watch, you have to ask okay, well, what am I taking away from this? What am I learning about the world? Is this make is this showing me something that I need to think about in, in the year 2015 so I can go out and be a better person or understand some mm-hmm. fundamental truth? And that's not really what it's no. about, you know? I mean, I guess you could watch that scene and be like, oh, yeah, child slavery is a thing. But, like, yeah. I don't think that's what the show cares about. So we should go be covert assassins and well, go save child slaves. Right, and that doesn't end up... I mean, you think about what's the moral result. I mean, she gets punished for killing, for doing a good thing. Yeah. And the whole show has been like her wanting retribution on these people who have done criminal acts and wronged her. And so as soon as she starts taking this retribution, uh, the mystical followers of the many-faced god are like, nah, girl. Yeah. Can't do that shit. Which, I mean, you could say, and this is a very easy moral judgment, you could say that, you know, revenge is never is never a good path to follow, that it's simply selfish, that you're not really 
do you're not really uh, being constructive as a human being by taking revenge or something like that. I don't right. know. Right. I mean, and yet Arya gets Arya, who's one of our heroes, gets punished for taking her revenge mm. while the Sand Snake Lady kills off um, Yeah. And is just like, oh okay, that was chill. No consequences for me. Yeah. The perfect crime. Like, I don't know. It's just like it's not enjoyable to watch all these bad things happening also side moment of just like come on game of thrones was uh one of the sand snakes uh whispering to bron as he's leaving like you want a good girl or you you want a girl but you need a bad pussy right and you're just like oh god game of thrones boy yeah why (laughs) why yeah i need to take a shower after that I guess I I guess the question is like okay is is this the darkness before the dawn like is the show trying to push itself to the worst place it can go so that it can give us this like sort of triumphant conclusion or that things can get better or it can give us real moments of levity in the next season or so or are things just going to get more fucked up as the white walkers descend upon Westeros Probably I mean yeah, like, that's kind of what we're waiting for, right? We're waiting for... The army of the undead. To we're basically waiting for what we've always been waiting for. And I'm I'm really glad that something that was introduced in the very first scene of the very first season is now becoming a major thing. Like, I appreciate that it's not losting and it's not pretty little liarsing and just losing threads. No, all the threads are still there yeah. for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that's a real, that. That's a real accomplishment. Yeah. I mean, but only because they've killed off so many people so they don't have to deal with them anymore. <laughs> I guess that's how you deal with a show like this. You just murder you just, everybody. You just murder everybody so you don't have to think about them But anymore. there is starting to get to a point where it's just... It's getting to a point where you're starting to wonder what is the point. Right. Um, because I really don't need another... Uh, rape or shaming or disgusting death to show me that the world is a gray place and ambiguity exists when you're drawing lines between good and bad. Right, right. I mean, no kidding. It's like the show has any thematic ideas that the show was interested in, it has gone through over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it all does become gratuitous. Um, you know, I said when it, after watching it, like, wow, I have like no reason to watch the show again. Um, and of course now with some, with some time to, to dwell on it, uh, I'm sure I'll continue watching next season Mm -hmm. and, and give it a chance and let it play out at least for a few more episodes. If only to see Tyrion and Daenerys get to work together some more, because that's been one of the more enjoyable things on the show to finally get to see them and kind of the two most interesting willful people on the show getting to see them interact yeah and we still have to find out what happens to bran with the um the mystical tree the old crow guy yeah or the three three eyed crow yeah i mean i'm gonna still watch because i feel like i've invested so much time into this i really want to finish the story you know? yeah but i think it's fair to say all of these things are not great choices, and at least in the context of what we've seen so far, like, not really defensible or even good television. No, I think that I would like to see people finally start... I, I think that we're still in this point in Game of Thrones fandom where people aren't willing to... People are either talking about, like, how much they dislike it and don't want to don't wanna watch it anymore, or they're talking about how it's the greatest TV show ever created in the history of man. And I want to see, like, that more middle ground. I want to see, like, us talking about this, but a lot of other people doing that, because the show is so indefensible in so many, in so many ways. Right. But it's well, still, it it's still good. I still enjoy it as a, as a big, epic, grand adventure story. Right. I mean, I think I think some critics are in that in that zone. I think TV critics are definitely getting fed up with mm-hmm. anything. Um, you know, I saw one one writer talk, was talking about how this season was just really. She thought it was just really boring. Mm-hmm. A lot of the plot lines she thought didn't go anywhere. Um, mm, I kind of would disagree with that. Yeah, um, I, I don't think it was boring. I think some of the, I think it was gratuitous. Um, yeah, but I yeah I I don't think any of it was boring. I mean. The, I think the plot that felt silliest was the the elevation of the um, the High Sparrow and these 
suddenly creating this new warrior class in the capital, uh, just out of nowhere, all of a sudden, for her own, for um, Cersei's convenience, that turns on her super quickly, and it's just like, oh, okay, well, that that escalated quickly. Like, yeah. it's, I don't know, it like, just felt duh. sort of, it just felt sort of pointless. It was just a way to, like, lead up to this, you know, shitty shame scene, which is, like, in the context of Cersei, seeing her humiliated, I guess... You know, I, maybe it's something that maybe it's like a point of catharsis because she's been such an evil character. But as with what happens to Theon, it's so fucked up that you get to the point where it goes past that and you don't want to see it anymore because mm-hmm. it's just so horrible. And maybe and that's what the show keeps doing. It's like, well, these characters can't even these characters who you think are evil. It's not so much that they're not evil. It's that you you feel you begin to relate to them because what happens to them is so awful. Yeah. Well, and, and that's like a fucked up way to run your TV show. And I think that like one thing that could make Game of Thrones truly great is the way that it it takes uh, a an adventure story, a fantasy story, typical big genre touch points and messes with them and subverts them. But it's not doing that anymore because like with Cersei, for example, like you, she she becomes like such an incredible bitch, and then she gets what's sort of coming to her in a lot of ways, and it's almost like the show finally saying, I mean, like what you said, like it gets to a point where you don't want to watch it anymore. But I think for the most part, the, what's going on is they're just saying like, this is what you wanted, right? Like this is you wanted this to happen, right? And it could be if it was, like, sort of flipping on its head and people were like, oh, wow, that's, I totally, like, feel bad for Cersei now. Except the end of that scene is you have, uh, like, the zombie Frankenstein's monster of the mountain. Right. Who is obviously going to now wreak Cersei's revenge on shit. Right. Like, she didn't learn anything. She just got fucking pissed. Right. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, she's not going to like come away from this experience with like true humility or whatever. No, I mean, maybe, probably not. I don't think so. I mean, no, the look I on agree. her face was pretty much just like, "I'm gonna fuck some shit up now." Right. You know. Right. And then she's gonna find out that Marcella's dead. Right. And then shit's like, it's, it's, oh well, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Like, well, that should be interesting. She's not gonna become a just ruler. She's no. just gonna become even more of a, a crazy asshole. But that could be good TV. Actually, yeah. I guess we'll see. I just what I would like to see is is Game of Thrones not indulge itself so hard, right? Which is all it does. That's I agree. I agree. It takes a lot of pleasure in being like, well, this isn't like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, all those old Grimm's fairy tales. I mean, the Disney versions of them are a lot less gruesome than the actual ones. Oh my god, know, yeah, those are dark. Everyone dies. In I, those. <laughs> I I think it, so. I think there is like. You know, there there is something to set to be said about the value of like not knowing who's going to get killed in a sword fight or whatever, and mm-hmm. things being unpredictable. But at some point, you have to have some kind of thread that you're holding on to. Otherwise, you're no longer telling a story. You're just like sort of showing us this documentary about political turmoil in Westeros. You know, yeah, or that's just the like, thing. At the, at uh, the end like of like shitty historical fiction about medieval times right i mean i don't know the thing is at the end of um at the end of the american revolution you have george washington come out of it and he you know he didn't get killed right. you know i mean there are you when you look back at these historical things like ultimately there is a hero who, mm-hmm. who emerges so mm-hmm. who that will be on game of thrones by the time they stop chopping everybody's heads off you know that's you can't kill off everybody mm-hmm. and you can't keep putting everyone through these horrible circumstances and back and like expecting the audience to continue to, to relate to them or, or something. Cause right. it just becomes too emotionally exhausting and it, it is unrealistic because in re- in real life, like there's a historical precedent for uh, heroic leaders and Kings. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. And at the end of the day, it's just like, do game of Thrones, do you want to jade, your viewers so hard that like nothing shocks them it's 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 almost like it's it's like a feedback loop it's like the red wedding happened and then game of thrones just became known as this this cultural phenomenon that has like no boundaries right and and so then people are like oh shit i need to start watching this show if they hadn't already right and then game of thrones is like oh my god now we have this reputation so we gotta take it up a notch 
Yeah. So then they do. Right. And then the viewers, and then it just like keeps feeding into itself to the point where now we have, it's seemingly every episode of the season, or at least in the second half of the season, was just like Sansa getting raped and then a crazy fucking insane zombie battle and then a nine-year-old girl getting burned at the stake and then Cersei walking naked through the streets and getting shit thrown at her and being called cunt repeatedly. Like, it's just so... It's just like, come on, show! Like, maybe just give me one episode that is good and solid writing that's not, like, going to make me want to gouge my eyes out by the end of it. Right. You know? Well, I, know. I, I for one, would like to see more zombie armies and more dragons. And I appreciate yeah, that this true. I appreciate that this season did give us that. Uh, and did give us You're Tyrion right. looking up at a dragon and being like, <gasps> a whole bunch of times. Holy shit, dragon. Because that, that was super fun to see. Yeah, I, I agree. That's true. The zombie army thing was cool. And, I, and I, I'm definitely down to see more dragons. I'm just not down with all the gratuitous horror. Well, that's the thing, right? Killing off Jon Snow now sets up this sort of revenge catharsis of like, well, we want to see the wildlings kill the Night's Watch guys mm -hmm. because we don't like them anymore. And then, okay, then you just end up with all these stupid bodies. Mm -hmm. And what's the lesson? The lesson is that people kill each other in the Middle Ages and then they're dead. Yeah. Unless they get revived by the night, the Night's King. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good job, Game of Thrones. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I think I think we're wrapped up for this week. Um, we're done now with our Game of Thrones viewing, at least for a long time. So we will go back to PLL only episodes. Unless, and you can tweet at us if you want to. People actually did tweet at us about Game of Thrones, which is cool. Uh, uh, True Detective starts next week. Oh man, we I don't. About that. I don't know if I have the stamina to talk about True Detective every week because that's that was a pretty grueling show. Yeah, last season I did really like so, it. So dour, and all of those uh, previews are just like, just like Colin Farrell and Vince Vaughn just mean mugging the fuck out of the camera. Right. Just being like, this is a dark show about, <laughs> about troubled men yeah. or cops. Then yeah. that mustache that Colin Farrell has. Holy it's, shit balls. Yeah, it's intense. I'm going to watch it, I guess. We're only Flavor watching... Saver. Right now we're watching Orange is the New Black and making our way through season three, which starts pretty slow, and then it gets really... Um, I mean, that's a show where it's like when bad things happen, they happen to real emotional and narrative effect. Oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, my God, I am really affected by this, as opposed to, well, killed another person I like. Yeah, well, man, if you want to catch up with Hannibal, we could, I would love to talk about Hannibal. I think that's one of the, the better TV shows going right now. Yeah, okay. Um, well, but you we'll have see. two seasons to get through. Yeah, that could, be, that could be a lot. Well, we'll see. Um, but at least we have... The summer of answers to continue. Yeah. On PLL and uh, if and we'll keep asking our summer of questions. Yeah. Yes, we will. <laughs> um, if you if you made it this far, you can go ahead and star us on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at PLGM Podcast. Um, those those iTunes ratings really help us climb up the charts and find more uh, more listeners like you. Um, so please go ahead and, and do that if you have if you have a minute. Yeah, and as we move forward, let us be your rock in the forest, bitches.